I love the new music. Isn't it lovely? I think it's fabulous. Well done. Well done. And now who have we had made that for us? So Richard Baker made that for us. Um, he is uh, an MD extraordinaire uh, and composer and he's worked with Mischief a lot. I believe he's the MD of Peter Pan Goes Wrong and uh, was a part of the musical team for Mischief Movie Night. And he made this for us as a gift. Oh, wow. Oh, thank you, Richard. I, I um, So he did the music for Peter Pan Goes Wrong, did he? Mm, yeah. Oh, right. So I've been enjoying his music without even realising it uh, <laughs> when I went off around the country for a couple of months at the start of oh, the year. That's right. Listeners, listeners, George was um, George joined the tour of Peter Pan Goes Wrong just before all of this happened, playing Chris Bean. Yeah, Chris, yeah. So that's Hook. Um, so did you have to sing the song? I did, yes, yes. Only the chorus. Um, right. I only had to learn the, learn the words for the chorus because that was the only time I was, if you've seen the show, um, you'll know the only time that I was ever facing the front of stage. Um, <laughs> you'll understand what that means <laughs> if you've ever seen Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Um, Amazing. But, uh, yeah, no, I love the music. Oh, brilliant. Oh, thank you, Richard. That is... Thank you, Richard. I love our new intro. So welcome to Archers and Tea. I'm Charlie. I'm George. Uh, we're two friends who really love the Archers and would normally meet up to dissect it with a cup of tea and a biscuit. But since the strange times, we're still chatting, but this time over the internet and we're recording it so that you can join us. Indeed. So if you're an Archers fan, grab a cup of tea, or even if you're not, grab a cup of tea, <laughs> have a sit down, uh, plug us in and uh, relax. Now, Charlie, I am sat here wearing... <laughs> wearing the uh, most I, I can I can brag about it as well because it had nothing to do with me but my Easter bonnet which we decided <gasps> to make ourselves um I've got my Easter bonnet on I um I, I mentioned to my wife that I was I was quite keen to uh, make an Easter bonnet and I said oh maybe we could do something with like you know a little basket on the top for uh, eggs and and she has done an absolutely brilliant brilliant job I'll post a photo of it um on on social media uh, afterwards after we've done the recording as well but it's fantastic so i've got a little it kind really of like is. hand woven basket in the top with a little egg in um but you oh. also you sent me a photo of your bonnet as well which is phenomenal it is i'm pretty proud of it it's made completely of recycling like i've recycled loads of stuff so um you know like boxes from deliveries also we use um a toilet roll company <laughs> so we didn't have a problem with the whole toilet roll crisis because we have ours delivered in bulk <laughs> is that the what, what's the... oh no it's called uh, <laughs> i think it's called who gives a crap okay oh great yeah, yeah yeah well i have a slightly odd thing about um running out of toilet roll it's always freaked me out way before the um corona crisis so i used to buy them in bulk anyway and mm. uh, so we had enough and each and we've given some to our neighbours. And um, each toilet roll is individually wrapped in paper and it's all recycled and the toilet roll is recycled or you can get bamboo. So it's better for the environment is the idea. And um, so in the toilet rolls are individually wrapped with quite pretty <laughs> paper. Uh, and then I found some old like papery string. So you can probably hear the crumpling. And I'll, uh, it's got a little string around it. It was inspired by my my bonnet for um, Harper's Locket in the Goes Harper's Wrong Locket. Show series. I thought I recognised it. Yeah, I, but it is no way near as good. Oh, it's fabulous. No, well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But um, I will post pictures and you guys can tell us what you think. Yeah, absolutely. And we also had a, um, is it uh, Bethany tweeted in with a photo of her. She'd made a bonnet as well. Um, yes. So it's nice to see some... Uh, Listeners have, have joined in with our uh, bonnet making. They were fantastic. There were two fantastic. They were. Well. I think it's her and her mum. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah no, really cool. Um, but yes, here I am, bonnet ready uh, and raring to go. <laughs> I just have this wonderful image of you now. This is excellent. Um, so let's <laughs> let's move on to Sunday's episode of. The Archers, so it would be the beginning of the omnibus this week. Yes, so we've got, um, we've actually got Jennifer making bonnets, uh, making a bonnet herself. That's right. They're trying to use uh, th recycle. Is it? Is it have they got bonus points for recycled materials? Is that right? It sounds like it. Yeah, they've gone for a sustainable theme. It's very Fallon, isn't it? 
Yes, absolutely. It's really lovely. We would get uh, many bonus points for our recycled material. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Mine is made of cereal boxes and yours is made of toilet roll uh, wrapping. Um, <laughs> that's right. And itself, it can be recycled. Yes, absolutely. So very sustainable. And yes, we've got Alistair coming to Home Farm uh, to have a look at the lambs and see what's... Uh, well, Josh, Josh suspects there's something wrong with them. Yeah, so Josh was saying that he thinks the foot rot is worse at Home Farm and disproportionately worse than it would be at a normal farm. Um, and Adam wasn't really taking it seriously. Yes, Adam doesn't seem totally convinced, does he? He sort of, I think, the, I can't remember the comment he makes when Alistair arrives. He's been like, oh, he'd have to let us know if there was anything to let us know about or something like that. I don't know. But he's very dismissive about the fact that, because he's got Eli in charge and Eli said, you know, it's foot rot and he's doing everything he can. Mm. Yes, and Alistair discovers that it's um, something much more serious. I'm not going to try and say the name of the thing that he thinks it is, but he thinks it's... Um, he believes it's it's a much more infectious and serious case of uh, type of foot rot. I think Charlie, he might have thinks it's a uh, contagious ovine digital dermatitis. Uh, <laughs> 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 I just dropped that into the conversation. Wow, George, you're if there's if there are any points to be awarded <laughs> during this podcast, you've got them all so far. <laughs> But Alistair does say that it's um, that it's understandable that Eli didn't really suspect that it was anything more serious because it, it often presents just quite clearly as foot rot. Um, and actually you don't necessarily realise unless you've got maybe a trained eye like a vet uh, that it's something more serious. So now they've all got to be dealt with and there's got to be a lot more quarantining. And this, it reminded me, so I... I did know this about the archers, that the archers originally started actually as a form of sharing information about farming to the post-war farming community. So I think it used to be much more part of the series in, in every episode was that they would actually use the, the drama to be a public information service wow, and teach farmers that. about stuff that was going on. Yeah. Wow. So they would give tips or warn about things like foot rot. And so mm. I think this might be the Archers doing that and fulfilling its brief, you know. It's telling uh, sheep farmers everywhere there's a different kind of foot rot. You might not notice it. You might think it's regular foot rot, but instead it's the fancy one that George can say. <laughs> and uh, you do need to get it checked out. Wow. that's uh, I, di I didn't know that. That's such an interesting... Uh, and that kind of makes sense. Why... You know, they do go into such detail on these sort of, you know, I thought that, that was just for the, you know, to make the stories more genuine. But uh, it makes sense that if it's a bit of an information for farmers around the country. Mm, and it does serve to make it more believable and genuine, doesn't it? But I think it was quite a big deal when there was the um, foot and mouth outbreak. Um, and I think that's what what's being referenced in the discussions about whether coronavirus is going to appear on the arches. Obviously, coronavirus isn't a specifically agricultural issue, but I think the idea is that the, it's it's right for the arches to be dealing with public affairs mm. and being a sort of public information service um, for people maybe a little bit more isolated in the country anyway. But uh, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. I wonder whether we need a prediction siren here because... Brian is pretty pleased with himself, isn't he? Because he drills even an extra field. He offers to drill the barley for Adam, yep. which sounds fine, even though it's no-till, which is something he's yep. not dealt with before. And Jennifer points out that he once didn't believe in it. And now he's like, no, 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 Jenny, Jenny, it's fine. Um, <laughs> oh, excellent. Right. Jenny. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I never did. And it's just like, well, of course you did, Brian. Of course you did. Poor Jennifer. I just long-suffering wife and uh and then he's quite proud of himself i even drilled an extra field yes i spotted that as well i thought oh oh is he meant to have drilled that extra field <laughs> maybe we're making something out of nothing but i'm i'd be interested to, to hear if he's accidentally drilled you yeah. know some courgettes or something <laughs> <laughs> i don't I, I honestly i don't really know what drilling a field is presumably <laughs> it's putting some holes in somewhere but uh um, but yeah, you'd hate to drill your courgettes. If, uh, anyway. <laughs> or your quinoa. Yes, indeed. And then Brian and Jennifer have slightly strained words. I I think Brian is, is still a little old-fashioned in his opinion of childcare. 
and it not being maybe a full-time job. <laughs> yes, I think that might be true. Um, and but despite probably doing his very best to avoid it at all costs himself. Exactly. If it's so easy, why does he avoid doing it? But um, yeah. yes, Jennifer's uh, she's a little more stern with him and tries to make it clear. But then I think sometimes Jennifer just picks her battles, doesn't she? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This isn't one for today. I've got to make a bonnet. <laughs> Indeed. And then we come on to, well, yeah, so throughout the episode, we, we're looking at Robert is ringing Lee. Um, if we remember Lee is uh, Helen's new boyfriend and she's the he's the physio um, around town um, and he used to do the karate coaching um, mm. and he coached Robert at karate and Robert thinks that Linda is sort of struggling with her current physio and gives, gives Lee a ring and says, oh, you know, what do you think about, you know, maybe you could step in because he's a bit mean. Um, he basically does all this work to try and make things easier for Linda, but it just really upsets Linda. Mm, it does. And I can see, you know, I can totally see the the motivation behind Robert's actions. And it's obviously sweet and out of love. But he's just once again slightly missed the point. Yes. I feel really bad for him because obviously this is so well-intentioned, but he's just not actually consulted her. He's not listened to her. And that must make that feeling she's already expressed that she feels helpless and an invalid and not independent and not like her normal self. I feel like his actions might exacerbate that. Yeah, I think so. Because there's there's this whole world going on outside of her hospital room um, where she just, yeah, she has no control over it because she can't leave at the moment. Mm. And she's used to having quite a lot of control in her life, isn't she? She's quite an independent strong-willed yeah. person yes indeed indeed he's doing his best Robert but he's just like you say slightly missing the mark but I totally understand that because you just think to yourself I'll do whatever I can to help yeah and I think at the end of the episode she sort of says if you're going to be like this don't come and visit me oh yes oh dear it's heartbreaking and I want to check I can't remember does she also say don't lindy me yes I think I think you're right. It's so sad, isn't it? Because it's such a lovely sort of pet name that he has for her. Um, and uh, yeah, she's sort of cutting him down and saying, no, no, don't, don't Lindy me. Oh, mm. Yeah. It's a really difficult situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one that, you know, you hope, uh, you, you really hope you don't, you'll never have to go for yourself as well. Absolutely. On either end, because it would be awful to be in Linda's position, but also to see somebody you love in that position must be really hard. And to, and to feel like you're going wrong every step and not quite, yeah, you're wanting to do your best, but just can't. Mm. Yes, very difficult. Very difficult. Okay, so we'll move on to Monday. Yes, on to Monday's episode. And we... Uh, we, we've got the you've got the rewilding meeting. We've got Phoebe, Pip, and Rex getting together to talk about the rewilding, and Phoebe's sort of proposing what Justin has proposed to her. So it's sort of Justin proposing by proxy, um, <laughs> and um, they want to what is it, they want to buy some buildings and convert them to offices. Is that right? That's right. There's a building. Uh, there's a sort of opportunity to invest in a building. Mm. And Justin has said, you know, and you can use a bit of it as an office for yourself and then rent out the other spaces and use the revenue to support your rewilding project. Of course, with Justin being a part of that, maybe they've taken some of the financial burden from Justin. So he really benefits. But uh, Phoebe has quite a clever idea because she suggests to Pip and Rex, who are a little bit still on the fence, Mm. Um, obviously that's where Rex lives but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Phoebe has a great idea to why don't we exclusively rent the spaces to businesses that fit our sort of mission statement the environmental or ethical um, projects small businesses people like us absolutely which is spot on and that you feel like that's the the right solution um, but will require Justin to get on board with that if he's kind of going to be investing and you do feel like you know he's probably the sort of environmental um, ethical companies aren't going to be you know able to pay as high a rent as a, a company that um, might be on the more commercial side of things um, so is Justin going to be happy um, you know 
charging a lower rent for whatever whatever building that is he's investing in um, mm. for the sake of ethics. Not sure, not sure they're always Justin's uh, top priority. <laughs> well, we'll see, won't we? Mm. Um, oh, George, 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 this episode, this episode oh, was excruciating. It wasn't it just... Oh. It was awful because Emma, basically, you could see she's been... She's sort of been thinking about it. No, sorry, that was... Um, saying Emma, I think, woke up my Siri for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why that was. Um, yes, it was awful because Emma, you can sort of sense she's been building herself up to say something to Ed. She's been feeling it. We've been able to hear it in her voice for the last, uh, last week, basically since the explosion. Mm. Um, and she's finally built herself up and she asks her to go for a walk and they go for a walk and she opens up to him. She puts it all out on the line, doesn't she? Yeah. Puts her heart out there, asks for him back. She told yeah. him he's her soulmate. Oh, and meanwhile, I, I was thinking, oh, brilliant. This is it. This is the moment. This is, you know, the back to, going to be back together. Ed will be moved in by the end of the day. And he turns around and says, actually, you know, nothing's changed since we split up. Um, and, and therefore, there's no way we can get back together. Um, oh, it broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is he right? Because I really see where he's coming from. He's saying, you know, the reasons we split up still exist. You want things that I can't give you and I am still potentially not enough for you. But she's saying that she's had a re think you know she's had um such an t- awful experience at Grey Gables that that's helped to reframe everything for her in her mind but I can see where he's coming from and obviously when you've got kids well I assume I don't have any kids but I assume if you've got kids you want to avoid um, lots of uncertainty and lots of back and forth yes I, I am yeah I completely get you don't want to sort of go flying back into it on a whim you know because you know somebody's called you their soulmate but I don't know I've possibly I've not been in a situation but I don't know whether I ever fully understood why you know they're splitting up yes it was because it was Ed felt like he couldn't give Emma what she wanted so then it was him that did the breaking up it was sort of preemptive wasn't it I guess Mm. I guess what he thought he was doing was 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 saving her pain in the long run yeah what I gathered and it was a little bit difficult to grasp wasn't it but I gathered that Ed was saying whatever happens you need more than just me because you need this house so much that I realised that if we didn't have the house, I'm not enough and I need to be enough on my own. And then if we get a house, that's a bonus. Yeah. Which I sort of, I mean, I really understand where he's coming from because otherwise that puts such a pressure on your relationship. Well, yes, and and that house at the time was just so all consuming for Emma. That the, the the listening of uh, hearing her going around town asking people for money just <gasps> any was I just found that so hard to listen to because she was just it was a woman who was so desperate and it felt like the house was all that she ever needed so I, yeah no you're right maybe I do maybe I do understand it what where Ed's coming from yeah and she's always been really aspirational and mm. she's kind of she's quite a character that. Um, you know, I re- I actually really like Emma and I think the actress is brilliant, but the character does tend to focus on what she doesn't have sometimes and what other people have in comparison. She really feels the them and us um, element of that rural society, you know, the sort of quite well-off middle-class farming side compared to a slightly more working class, um, less well-off farming community and she was always felt that difference and has always been quite resentful I would say I think that's fair to say um and I think this house was meant masses to her and it was massively part of her aspirational character but potentially what Ed is suggesting is that she needs to be happy with what she's got a little bit more like Ed is much more able to accept what life has given him and to be happy with what he has it's some there's a lot of philosophers talk about it and it's I think it's to do with stoicism I'm not being very articulate but um rather than getting what you want it's wanting what you have 
what you already have. That was very articulately put. Oh, no. thanks. Yes. I get nervous. Yeah, yeah. No, that <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. And sort of totally understand what you mean. I think I think you're right that Emma does make those comparisons very readily. Um, and mm. I don't think it ever particularly brings her much happiness when she when she does make those comparisons. Well, yes. And actually, with comparisons, it's a classic uh, that we all we all compare up. So yeah. we put ourselves on the bottom rung and we compare ourselves to people at the same level or better off than us. But nobody, well, it's rare that people also think about comparing down and realising, well, actually, I am in a loving relationship with lots of lovely children with a family around me. I'm actually mm. probably doing better than some people. And I'm not one to tell Emma to be grateful. Um, mm. I've not experienced her hardships in that way. But I think it's quite important for all of us to remember sometimes we're all a bit inclined to only compare upwards. Yes, I, I've, I've kind of had it explained to me before it, when we're discussing privilege and sort mm. of um, awareness of, of, of what privilege you may or may not have. And I've had it explained to me, you know, sort of like a cube system so you know you can you know it's similar to what you're saying is that you know you can see everyone in front of you in the queue and that sort of can bring its frustrations and you think oh there's so many people in front of me you know what look at all theirs and then actually if you take the time to look behind you and see how big the queue is behind you as well mm. um that can that can sometimes shock you i think yeah and you can go oh wow okay maybe i should be grateful for my place in the queue yeah absolutely um, and maybe yeah. i can help someone who's behind me in many ways a little bit like the queues for the supermarket at the moment Yes, indeed. <laughs> Which, by the way, moves a lot faster than I thought they would. No, they do. They're very, they're very, they're seriously good at sort of getting you in very quickly. The staff at my local supermarket are doing an excellent job. They're fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've had. Everyone's been friendly and um, just, just great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, um, to and then at the end of the episode, we have what you rightly predicted last week. Um, that Roy visited Blake. Yes, and Blake, bless him, is, is just terrified. He just, mm. he, you can hear his terror at Philip and Gab from his response to Roy, because he doesn't know who Roy is. He doesn't, I think he, did he initially think he might be police, I think, maybe. Mm. But he just wants to get him out of the room as quickly as I possible. Know. And um, that level of terror and fear really indicates to me quite how badly quite how bad the situation is with Philip and Gavin and the other gentlemen who work for them yeah it makes you think oh it's even worse than we're it's even worse than we can see at the moment if he's yeah. that scared of them it must yeah. be a really tricky situation and Roy Roy is very confused and obviously because he you know he hasn't, hasn't hasn't got a clue what's going on and he's slightly preoccupied because he's still a bit pissed off with him for you know causing in inverted commas the um explosion and he's very much thinking of linda so when this guy this young guy doesn't seem to be listening to him and to this wonderful um honorable message that linda has for blake yeah. he's sort of just preoccupied oh well that's just rude of you and you're not listening to me and and i'm hoping that he um also takes a moment to think about what why Blake has bears reacted in that way? Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. We shall have to see. Have to we see. Will. So on Tuesday, we move on to the Grundies are setting up for Kira's surprise, not surprise birthday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I could just imagine, you know, I'd, I'd like a surprise birthday party. <laughs> you know, somebody kind of like when you're a kid, you just have the idea of a surprise birthday party, and then asking for one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love the idea of her practicing her surprised face. Yes. Would, would that have been you? Would you have been practicing your surprised face for a surprise birthday mm. party? Oh, yeah. I think this could definitely have been me. Have you ever had a surprise <laughs> birthday party? I've had surprises on my birthday. So um, often my partner organizes my birthday for me because I don't really enjoy my birthday and I don't enjoy organizing anything for it. And he um, does a lot of it for me. And there well he'll tell me enough information that I'm well prepared and then there will be surprises like who's coming to the event or exactly where it is or exactly what it is but I've never had an actual walk into a room surprise 
this thing? Yeah. I've organised one, but I've not. I don't think I've had one. I think I'm trying to remember whether I came to one of your. Yes, you did. I did, yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you came to um, the one I organised for Dave. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I've never, I've never had a surprise birthday. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how I'd feel about a surprise birthday party because there's that whole thing of it'd be lovely to have, you know, lots of people you know and love in a room all together. But then sometimes you just kind of have to mentally prepare yourself for parties, (laughs) especially if you're sort of hosting them. They can be quite hard work sometimes. They can, they can. Anyway, well, Kira will be fine because she knows about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a surprise at all. As well as her unicorn cake, which I'm very excited about the unicorn cake with glitter, edible glitter. <laughs> I know, it's um, brilliant, isn't it? It sounds phenomenal. Oh, it does sound really phenomenal yeah. and tasty. Um, mm. But it sounds quite awkward as well. So Tracy is encouraging Emma to do more and is not really taking this sort of um, rejection by Ed seriously. And Jazza potentially unwittingly keeps suggesting to Ed that he goes inside and helps Emma. Maybe he's got an ulterior motive there as well. Mm. Um, So that all gets a little awkward. Also, it becomes awkward later with Ed and Jazza because um, he keeps offering Jazza shearing work. And I think last year Jazza was desperate for work, wasn't he? But he wasn't getting it because actually Ed was working for the nasty man. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And now this, yeah, sort of tables have turned a little bit. And um... But Jazza doesn't know the circumstances of last year, so maybe he'll find that out, actually. Mm. Yes, it's, it's all just a little bit awkward, isn't it? And they're sort of talking about mm. they've got a church of theme park lined up, I think, haven't they? And, yeah, uh, the fairground. Emma sort of makes a kind of a half-hearted attempt to get out of it. Tracy doesn't let her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, having none of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, um, it's Robert's birthday as well. Yeah, birthday season. Mm-hmm. And bless him, he... He gets a well, yeah. It must be so hard for Linda because she's obviously tried to try to get him a nice birthday card and a birthday present, um, and she's delegated this job to Kate. Uh, and and Kate, <laughs> by all reports, has got as far as a hospital entrance and bought a porcelain tiger. Is it <laughs> a porcelain tiger and a card that that Linda is so ashamed of she won't <laughs> let Robert open it in the room. We never get to see what's on it. You, you sort of imagine it might be one of those um, sort of like a cartoon with a joke about farts on it or something, something silly. <laughs> well, it's just good, isn't it? Because we finished the end of last week really on a high with Kate and her achievements and her abilities. And then it's good to just be reminded she's still Kate. Yes, she's um. <laughs> still a little bit hopeless. And, uh, and Leonie and James don't come because yeah. of something to do with the car. And... Um, but there are hints that Linda will be able to leave the hospital soon. But also you get the feeling that Linda's quite reticent about leaving and coming home. She's not very enthusiastic about it, is she? I don't know whether it's kind of, it, it, is it nerves? Is it, is, it, is it an expectation that she might actually not be ready by then? Or is she just actually quite nervous about leaving the hospital? It kind of, it sounds like the last thing she wants to do at the moment is leave the hospital. I, I think I understand that because... In a way, you're sort of safe in a hospital and you've got the nurses and everyone around you whose job it is to look after you. And also, when you're in the hospital after an accident, well, that makes sense. You know, after an accident, I live in a hospital. You haven't yet gone home, but your home is where you associate being well and being back to your normal self. So does it make it all the more real to go home, but in this um new state yes to look in her bedroom mirror yes for the first time Mm. to be in her house and not be able to do the things she wants to do it'll throw into sharp relief her circumstances yes there's a sort of a permanence implied but you know once you're home that is now your life if you know if like we think there is scarring um from the burns um that isn't ever going to fade then Yes, there's a kind of, you know, once I'm at home, that is then your life from then on. Whilst you're in hospital, it feels a little bit like temporary. And, you know, yeah, I can understand her reticence. Mm. And then in this episode, we also learn about Kenzie. Yes, Kenzie. Have we heard Kenzie's name before? Maybe briefly, I can't remember. But he's one of the other, in inverted, strong inverted commas, horses. Is that how they describe them? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Isn't that awful? Oh, God. Um, well, basically, yeah, these slaves. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear about him. He's obviously 
really close to Blake and really cares about Blake. Potentially also it reflects on his own situation if he's worried about how Blake is being treated because, of course, that indicates how he would be maybe treated in a similar situation. Yes. So Blake told Gavin about Roy's visit. So Gavin tells Philip, and Philip doesn't seem that concerned about Roy at all. Yes, he's sort of, maybe he's slightly underestimating Roy, because Roy is so, you know, lovely. I think I think Philip probably feels like there's, you know, there's no, you know, there's no, no uh, not going to be too much pressure from him, because, you know, I'll be able to manipulate him if needs be, if he does mm. start. Um, and I hope, you know, if it does come to that, he's underestimating Roy, but... Uh, yeah, there's that, yeah, yeah. Philip doesn't seem too fussed about it. Mm. Gavin a lot more worried. Yeah, it's. A, I'm interested to see where this goes, but it does kind of throw up the two different characters. Gavin's quite. Um, Gavin reacts to things really strongly. He reacts in the moment. He's quite panicky. He's quite gung ho. Whereas Philip, Philip seems a little more rational. Um, but potentially, does that mean he's also a bit more conniving? Yeah, calculated. It's 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 a. There's something, I, I guess those sort of, in inverted commas, baddie uh, characters we've talked about before. You've got, you've got two. You've got the kind of the, the one who's, you know, off off the wall, you know, violent, openly violent. And then there's the ones that are a bit quieter and a bit, and they're almost more scary. Oh, yeah. They're the ones you've got to watch. Yeah. And, and Philip Strikes Me is one of those, definitely. Tuesday's episode also had one of my um, favourite sayings from the Archer, which is any road. Any road. <laughs> Which Ed is just—it's great. I don't think I've—I don't think I've really heard it um, anywhere else, maybe. But it's a real Grundy saying uh, that Ed and Eddie both kind of come out with at various occasions. I love it. I think it's brilliant. Um, I'm trying to slip it into my everyday conversation, but I've not quite managed it successfully yet. I don't know whether you can do it without the accent. Oh, any what road. episode is it that any road? Is there an episode <laughs> where Gavin and Ed actually? I think it was earlier in the week. You have a scene yes. with Gavin and Ed. Yes, because obviously last time that uh, Gavin and Ed saw each other, I think Gav was on a well a pseudo date with Emma, wasn't he? So Ed was uh, Ed's cl- clearly a frosty relationship between those two. Um, and then in that scene, Gavin really overreacted, didn't he? When um, Ed was just saying, "Oh, great, so you're working back with BL," and he's like, "Yes, why? Why wouldn't I be?" Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, wonder whether Ed's our hero, whether Ed will put two and two together. Come on, Ed. Oh, I loved it as well because Gavin called him mate. And then like as Gavin leads, leaves, um, Ed's like, yes, all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Any road. Any road. Let's move on. On to Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Roy going to visit Linda, um, mm. which is really sweet. And, and, and he's... He's just got a little puppy sort of thing. He's he's so lovely. He's so happy, isn't he, to see a Linda so well? Like it's adorable. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because if we remember, he saw her being dragged out by Freddie, and he mm. see the first one sort of to go to help her, um, oh, yes, or sort of to direct right. the paramedics towards her, and mm. um, yeah, which must be for somebody that you know and have worked with and are friends with to see them in that situation must be heartbreaking so then to see them in the hospital alive you know on the road to recovery must be a wonderful feeling it's quite a nice moment for linda actually where she assumes that his behavior is due to an awkwardness that roy feels about seeing her in this situation and actually he gets to correct her and say no 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 i've seen you like this already i saw you after the explosion i'm just so glad to see you well and it kind of it gives Linda a moment to reflect that maybe it's not, maybe it's not as bad as it seems. Maybe people aren't as horrified by her appearance as she thinks, and that lots of people are so happy to see her well. I know that might not be a consolation for her at the moment, but yes, maybe she'll realise that in time. And again, she plays down the idea of her going home, doesn't she? Yes, she does. Yeah, that second time of kind of, oh, you know, it might not be. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that this week. I think. Mm. And then also sort of Roy, t- you know, Roy tells Linda what happened with Blake when he went to visit and a slightly odd reaction as far as he can work out. Maybe they'll form some sort of um, mystery solving gang <laughs> with Linda, Roy and Ed and maybe somebody else going, hmm, that was a strange reaction. Because Linda's very clever and she's very astute and she might have noticed, she might have 
gleaned something from the information Roy was telling her that Roy hadn't even noticed. Yeah, it's it's that's sort of, those brilliant episodes where you think, oh, just if this person could speak to this person, then surely they're between the two of them, they could work it out. Oh, come on, <laughs> um, <laughs> we might be in for a little bit of that over the coming weeks. I feel yes. And then um, Grey Gables is reopening. Yes, absolutely. So that's uh, that's kind of big news, really. It feels quite soon after a, a big explosion. But they're sort of they say that they're not opening reopening the kitchen yet, obviously because that was the um, way the explosion happened. But they're bringing in a temporary kitchen um, where they can still serve some mm. serve food and stuff. So that's great. Yes, it's a soft launch. Yes, absolutely. But I think Oliver seems pretty desperate to sort of get get people in really as soon as possible. Yeah, it sounds like the bez- the business has taken um, a real hit. And so he's offered vouchers to Shula for the health club. Yes. Um, to be a prize in the Easter festival, in the in the tombola or the raffle. Yeah, or something. Easter festival is on its way. For which they need these papier, 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 papier mâché. Am I saying that right? I'd say papier, papier mâché. Papier mâché. Papier mâché eggs. And, and I don't think we've heard them arrange it, but Shula and Kirsty are meant to be making them. Yes. Thursday night. Thursday night. They've got a date night doing uh, some papier mâché eggs, which Kirsty seems to have forgotten about. Yeah, with everything she's going through. Yes, absolutely. She's kind of a bit all over the place at the moment, so you can't sort of understand it. Um, so Shula's going to have to tackle the eggs on her own. I know, but then she describes what sounds to me like a really, truly delightful evening. <laughs> it, I think it's the idea is that it's meant to sound sad, but she says... I'm going to have a bottle of wine, put an old classic film on the telly and paint papier-mâché eggs. And I thought, that sounds ideal. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> it is not unlike the evening I spent making my Easter bonnet. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. What would be your, what would be your classic film of choice that you, uh, you, you put on in that situation? Um, oh, that put you under under pressure here. Yeah. I? So I, well, we mentioned last week I would totally love to watch... Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Ah. I'd I'd love to put that on the telly yeah. or Hook. Okay, these might not be classic films in the way that other people <laughs> imagine classic film. Yeah, <laughs> but in terms of classics, I, I love Sound of Music. I know oh, that's crazy, yeah. but I used to watch it with my grandma. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, it. I think when you've when you've watched them when you're young, um, you have that sort of you know you can relate back to it. You think, yeah, brings back a load of memories, doesn't it? Mm. Or like a Disney film? Absolutely. I think a Disney would be would be spot on, wouldn't it? Would you choose a Disney? Well, my sort of go-to, uh, you know, for anything where I just want to, you know, a bit of time watching a film would be Lord of the Rings. Because um, I absolutely love the Lord of the Rings films. Nice choice. Yeah. and But then a Disney, definitely. Disney. What Disney? Uh, Robin Hood. Uh, we we could both end, end up watching different versions of Robin Hood. I'd watch the Disney version, uh, which I love. <laughs> oh, that is good. The uh, the animated version. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love that. One. <laughs> Slightly different keys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> um we've we've gone crazy right so back to it uh where were we yeah so she's gonna stay at home and watch uh, and watch a film and make papier-mâché eggs and it actually sounds quite a charlie russell uh ideal evening lined up ahead of her fantastic yes and then we've also got a little scene between roy and philip yeah which which is uh, it's it's an interesting conversation isn't it i think philip has dealt with this one very well annoyingly yeah yeah, I I think if I didn't know what I know, being a listener, yeah. and I was Roy, I would accept probably everything that Philip said. Mm. He was very good at acting. The actor was doing like double acting there. Yeah, he was acting being Philip, who was acting. I think it definitely goes back to that sort of um, conniving, calculated sort of how we how we describe Philip earlier. But then also, mm. you know, the fact that he reckons he can deal with Roy at the moment seems like he probably can mm. but Roy Roy is preoccupied with the fear and the way that Blake f- seemed terrified mm. so it made me a little bit downhearted I thought oh no Roy's going to be thrown off the scent but I'm hoping that maybe he hangs on to this yes it stays with him let go yeah absolutely mm. so then we come on to Thursday's episode which was a Tracy Horrible episode <laughs> <sighs> I didn't used to like Tracy as a character. Obviously, I love the actress. It's not about her. But I, I found the character a little bit um, 2D. Yes. Do I mean 2D? You know, the, lacking slightly in substance, a bit abrasive and was sometimes just a bit unhelpful. Yeah. But actually, she's really developed. Oh, yeah. Wasn't there a, a time when Roy and Tracy 
got together on a night out. Am I making that up? <laughs> New Year's Eve. Yes. Oh, God. And it was sort of, it became a bit of a comedy thing of, um, you know, Tracy Horbin. Um, like you say, she sort of had been a kind of a, yeah, slightly 2D character. Mm. And actually, they've really developed her recently in her relationship with Oliver, her relationship with the actor, um, and her job at Grey Gables, which is really brilliant. She seems to have brought a lot of positive um, things to Grey Gables. And even Linda came round to Tracy in the end, realised that she was very hardworking. And um, and in, in this episode, she is classic Tracy. She's positive, she's fun, but she's still really, really caring. Because when she notices Freddie has a bit of a moment, doesn't he, in the office with the locker... She notices that immediately and she's extremely patient and extremely kind to him and careful with him, which makes you sort of slightly rest easy knowing that there are people who are, there are people who have got Freddie's interests at heart and they're looking out for him. Yes, I think it's that kind of, I I, I suspect, um, I I might be judgmental here, but I suspect, you know, Tracy Horbin might not have had kind of the best, you know, exam results at school you know, and wouldn't necessarily be judged as being particularly intelligent, but in terms of emotional intelligence and sort of, and she's just, she's just so, so aware of it and so empathetic. Mm. I, I say, I say, you know, intelligent more in terms of a school, you know, a classic school education. Um, she clearly is, mm. you know, an intelligent woman. And, um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think she's just a yeah, great energy. I think if you're, if you're reopening a hotel after, terrible accident like that the person you'd want around would be tracy just to kind of bring everyone up again it's like yeah let's let's do this we can do it absolutely i don't think you're wrong in what you said i think she herself talks about her academic achievement with on a date doesn't she yes and says oh i didn't do that well at school um but you're right it doesn't mean she's not an intelligent person she's emotionally intelligent but also her outlook on life seems to be pretty well it works for her doesn't it and she talks to oliver about that she says you know i'm I, I have quite a positive outlook. I think things can be done mm. if you give it a go. It's worth a shot. And she encourages Oliver to fake it till he makes it. <laughs> Which is great, yeah. But once again, she noticed that he wasn't yeah. feeling 100% and she picks up on it and she quite kindly and carefully just gives him a little nudge to talk about it. I think something something that's really good about Tracy is something that other characters don't enjoy, but it's... It's the way she she's not that, um, how to describe it? So basically, we all think it's much more polite and discreet yeah. to not press people um, and make them talk about difficult things yeah. and it, or make it awkward. Whereas Tracy's just a bit more like, oh, come on, there's something wrong. Yeah. It's better to talk about. It. And I think we could all do a bit do with a bit more of that. Yeah, she's not sort of held back by societal norms, <laughs> maybe. Mm, um, mm. She's sort of more happy. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. And she's definitely doing that with Emma, isn't she? She's sort of, you know, I think many other people would have just sort of, you know, let it drop and gone, oh, no, that's that's quite awkward now with Ed and Emma. But she's sort of still, she's trying to get Emma to persevere. Mm, and because Emma says, oh, look, I, I, I put it out there and I've been rejected. And then I really sympathise with that. But then Tracy says, oh, stuff that, stuff pride. You know, you've, you've got to give it a go. And then she gives a really, really good piece of advice, which, again, I think is quite stoic which is we can't change other people. We can't change who they are. We can't make them like us. The only thing we have the capacity to change is ourselves. And um, she says, you know, you've got the capacity to change you. Don't give up. Yes. But also I'm, I'm wondering whether it would tie into what we were saying. You know, Emma needs to look at herself and think, um, focus on what she has rather than what she doesn't have, which might help Ed to feel as though he's enough for her. Yeah. I definitely feel like this is not the end of Ed and Emma. I don't know. I just don't feel like it's the end of it. And and I think Tracy is, will be to thank for that if it does ever uh, end up that they end up sort of back back together. But we'll have to see. Mm. Mm. Fingers crossed. Mm. It's very wishful thinking. I know. I know. Now it's feels, it feels further away than it did this time last week. Um. <laughs> but of course, Lillian as well, another of my favourite characters. And she encourages Robert. So she sort of says, oh, come on, you know, don't worry about the state of your house. Mm. We need to sort it out. And you can't bring a bed down on your own. Yeah. And she says, I'm going to help you. And she gets Freddie to help yeah. um, with the preparation for Linda coming home. She's non-judgmental. Yeah, absolutely. She's patient. 
Yes, and, and she's obviously keen to sort of, you know, help Linda in any way as possible, you know, because of how things were with them, you know, at the time of the um, of the accident. And, uh, yeah, kind of gets Freddie involved. Um, it's just, Robert has his moment here, doesn't he, where Oliver sort of goes charging over and he says, oh, excuse me, you know, it's very clear that, that area is cordoned off and finds that it's Robert sort of just looking at mm. where where it happened and what where it was that uh, Linda got injured and you know Oliver sort of allows him to have that moment and even recognize the fact that he might need to know and sort of talks him through you know that's the that's the fire exit where where Freddie got her out mm. it's actually quite a nice moment really I don't think I don't know I would have thought that that was would be a good thing for him but it, it feels like it feels like the right thing he needs. I know what you mean. I think it's quite natural for people to assume, oh no, you don't want to go back there. You don't want to look at that. You know, cover your eyes mm. for uh, cover your eyes from these things, these difficult things. But actually, it's part of a, a grieving process. Um, because even though Linda hasn't died, I think what he might be experiencing is very akin to grief. It's certainly traumatic, mm. and maybe one of the best ways to process that and get through it is not to shield your eyes, but actually to look at the thing and go, okay, so this is where the accident happened. Thank you. Yeah. Because now I'm more able to process everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he does also say to Lillian, Robert says to Lillian, he feels he hasn't got anything right recently when it comes to Linda. Yeah. Which I can imagine you would feel like that. He's he sort of, yes, he's, he's not quite, as you said, he's not quite hit the mark yet. Um, mm. and that must be so frustrating with somebody you love who you just want you just want to make them feel better and there's not there's probably nothing he can necessarily do at the moment to make her feel better because of where she is I don't yeah. know I don't know yeah he's sort of once again he's trying to control everything around her and yeah. control her environment and really that's a little bit futile he can't control all of this he can't control what Linda's going through yeah um he can only do his best and then he has to sort of be satisfied with that whether it is enough or not whether it's right or not he knows he's, he's doing his best and for all the right reasons yeah but it can be hard to be satisfied with that when your loved one is in so much pain and again he sort of he is talking about Linda coming out of hospital um mm. and will she you know how is that going to be if and when it does happen I think you know we'll have to wait and see yeah <sighs> yeah what a week end of the week here we are I hope that uh, I hope that the um unicorn cake went down well <laughs> I'm sure it did <laughs> surely it would surely absolutely it would. rainbow rainbow sponges with glitter brilliant absolutely fantastic come on what's not to like um but then also this week we had um, our silent friend pointed us in the direction of an episode of, is it Feedback on Radio 4? Yes, yeah, not a programme I've listened to before. Um, mm. But I think I, from what I gathered it was sort of, you know, bits that have been on the radio in the previous week. And they uh, they had a bit of a discussion about the Archers, didn't they? About, um, well, the Archers and coronavirus and uh, is, it, is it right that coronavirus hasn't hit... Ambridge yet? Is it right that they are? Mm. So they are now planning to introduce it in May, is it? That's right. It looks like coronavirus will appear in the Archers in Ambridge mm. um, from May. I think it's really hard, isn't it? Because they they didn't put it in in the early stages when the outbreak was occurring, you know, halfway across the world, and then they've left it to a point now where, with the Archers, it's recorded in advance a certain amount of episodes in advance quite a lot I think and so it's quite difficult to slot in um, current affairs and usually they talk about it in this feedback program and what they might do is get a couple of the actors like David and Ruth to sit and have a cup of tea over the kitchen table and talk about what's going on in the world which is fine but actually I can understand that might have felt a little bit um a little bit weak considering the coronavirus they might put better not do just a little bit yes because that won't do it justice and, and that's quite apart from the sort of the uh you know, technical difficulties of suddenly not being able to have uh people in the same room and you know they've obviously got quite and this was discussed on on the program that they've got you know a slightly older cast than um a lot of a lot of programs out there um mm. and it would be you know 
dangerous to have everyone sort of coming in to record a storyline about creating, you know, re-record weeks and weeks of episodes because, you know, as we all know, coronavirus is touching everything um, within our lives. So it would be very odd to have it sort of, you know, little bits and bobs of uh, coronavirus storyline in Ambridge, um, but then nobody else yeah. talking about it. Um, well, how could they have slotted it into the hospital scenes yes. with... Um, Linda, I mean, that it would have felt completely tacked on. So I, I, to be honest, I have a lot of sympathy for them. Yeah. And I also understand a lot of people were talking about how they were quite um, relieved that it hadn't reached Ambridge yet because mm. Ambridge became a place of sanctuary from coronavirus. But then other people made a very good point that it felt a little bit, therefore, disconnected from the real world and a bit silly. Yeah. Um, someone also made the point that because it's a public service programme, they could have maybe helped you know by talking about the washing of hands or isolation and shielding and got a little bit more of the information out there Mm. but um what's done is done we can't change the past so it will be coming in um and it'll be interesting to see how they do that i think it's gonna be such a difficult thing to do because i mean i mean i'm finding that the you know situation is changing so much if not week by week day by day um Mm. that um you know and it may be that we're in a bit more of a kind of a steadier sort of sense of lockdown or whatever it is um mm. technically is it but um I, yeah, I don't know how they're going to manage to kind of keep up to date while still recording episodes mm. in advance anyway it'll be interesting to see um it will be interesting i also found um in that interview they had they was talking to a couple of listeners and um someone said that they weren't necessarily that happy with the with the recent explosion storyline because it led to a lot of overacting which I thought was a little bit unfair. Yeah. I think that sometimes people confuse overacting with emotion. Yes. And emotional scenes. I think it's quite um, a symptom of, of our slightly buttoned up classic British society. We don't really like it mm. when people get emotional. We say, oh, you're overdoing it. But actually, I think it's, well, this is personal to me, but I think it's more realistic of, uh, it's a more realistic portrayal of what might happen, but also that in itself provides a service because if we keep not talking about things and if we keep being very mm, buttoned up and stiff up a lip about things, we're only going to keep repressing our emotions even further. Yeah. Um, but that's a very personal thing because I think it's good to talk about what you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Lovely. Well, that is the week's, uh, week's episode of The Arches. It certainly is. I hope everyone has enjoyed it and had a moment to grab a cup of tea and a biscuit. Yeah, I hope you've had a good opportunity to sort of, uh, yeah, just have a bit of a relax for an hour, uh, take an hour off, mm. uh, whatever you've been doing. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for listening again. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if anybody else fancies making any uh, Easter bonnets, then uh, yeah, send us your pics. We'll be posting ours. At Definitely. Point. Lovely. Right, let's sign off with that beautiful music from Richard Baker. Absolutely. Let's go back to it. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye.